Pray with me. Heavenly Father, uh, as we turn now to this gospel reading, Lord, I ask that you would open our hearts and minds to hear from you, to see in these words what you need us to hear today. And I do realize that for each of us in the room, that is a different thing to hear. But by your spirit, Lord, you will speak. So, Lord, do your work. Holy Spirit, speak so that we will know you and we will hear this call deeper and we will be able to follow you with quicker and immediate response and obedience. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Please have a seat. Good morning. I noticed that I wasn't the only one um, as Sarah was leading us in that song. Um, I, I wanted to hear Sarah. <laughs> and so, Sarah, thank you. It was beautifully done. But that's why we all hesitated, because we just wanted to listen for a minute. And I knew I wasn't the only one. Um, so we're going to talk today about Matthew. But I have to tell you really quickly um, that as I was reading through the different readings for today, um, Psalm 139 is... It's just one of my favorites. Um, it's actually genetically DNA, I think, in my um, family, one of our favorites. Um, my mother was a Bible, is a Bible teacher, was a Bible teacher, and um, it, she, she taught on it often. And so it, as I was reading it, I thought, well, that's just really sweet of you, Lord, to have it be one of the readings for today. Um, but it does speak to what we've been talking about in terms of calling and about what that specific specifically looks like in terms of radical hospitality and having margin in our life and, and seeing what God is doing individually in each of us and corporately, this new thing that we're doing at Apostles. Um, and so I, you have to be very known by the God who created you, and you have to know that you are created by a God who knows you so intricately in order to enter into any of this. So um, I was grateful for the Lord to kind of do that for me. I consider that a gift just for me. You can share in it if you'd like. Um, but I do think that it's important for us to turn to Matthew. Um, in Matthew chapter 4, uh, it starts, our reading today starts with the word now. Um, and it's tempting to think that that means, um, I don't know, today, 10, it's now, it's 1024. I don't have a digital clock, I'm guessing. Um, uh, it, that is kind of true. It is a timely thing. It's a now. But if you can hear it as someone who's recounting a story, right, is uh, retelling us what he wants us to hear about Jesus and about this person, Jesus, and about what Jesus has done. And so if you shift your thinking to that, here's how it might play out. So I've introduced you to this person, Jesus. He is the Messiah. I told you about his birth. I told you about his genealogy. I've told you a little bit about where he grew up and how that worked and about his baptism by his cousin. We're now just finished chapter three and four. Now, let me tell you about what he did. So it's to hear it in that voice as well. And the reason why I think it's important is because when we do read scripture, as I know so many of you do on a regular basis, which you should, um, is to learn how to read it in context of the person who's writing it, but also in the context of the time frame, but also not to miss some of the words, like now. And it, it is a turning attention to. And so you pay attention to things like that. 
So he now, so Matthew is now telling us about this. And, and what's also important to realize is there is a little bit of a time element going on chronologically. We just don't have it with Matthew's account because you can read it that Jesus came from the wilderness, which is the verse before, that the devil left him and the angels attended him with water and food. And now, thinking it happened right after. So chronologically, Matthew doesn't do a lot of that in his gospel. Matthew is thematic. You know, he wants to point to Jesus as the Messiah and he wants you to know about his ministry. So there's actually a few other things that happen between verse 411 and 412 in Matthew. And so it's important also just to be aware of that so that you're not reading it as a, this happened, then this happened, then this happened, because sometimes that we get off track because you can then go to Mark or Luke or John and start reading the same thing and think, wait a minute, I thought that already happened. I thought he already called them from their boat. I thought they already, so in order to not be confused, it's important to also realize that um, not each writer of the gospel does it you know, Tuesday this happened, and then Wednesday this happened, and then last Thursday, that you know, it doesn't happen that way. So again, as you're reading scripture, as you do, it's kind of important to think of all of these things as we approach the text. So we know that John has <clears throat> been arrested. Um, Herod, King Herod has put him in prison and then will eventually kill him. You can read that, um, his account of that later on in Matthew. Um, and so Jesus hears that he has been arrested and then he withdraws to Galilee. And so it's a movement we're hearing about places from Isaiah and Matthew. He quotes Isaiah because he wants you to hear about all the different places that Jesus' ministry is now starting. And he also wants you to hear, again, this is the person Messiah and this is what Jesus the Messiah now has done. He's the Messiah. Matthew wants you to understand that. And so when you're trying to make your case, as John the Baptist has done, quoting the prophets, Matthew is now quoting Isaiah to make his point accurately, by the way. He's not, he's not quoting fully the verses, but his, he's accurately letting us know the, prof, the prophecy has been fulfilled. This is the Messiah. He, this is where he starts. He goes into all of these regions. And what we should hear and appreciate is the line that says, um, Galilee of Gentiles. Because it's just another way of Matthew saying, Jesus has come for the Jewish people, his own people, and he's come for us. And so it's not a throwaway line. It's in there on purpose, as well as all the different regions, because again, I'm gonna tell you about his ministry, and this is where he starts from, and this is where he's going. So all of those things are actually happening in the first few verses. I should sit down now, right? Now, now you know. It's also important, though, as we're reading, to see the different words. So we say, and leaving Nazareth. Again, that's not a throwaway line. He wants us to know a sequence of things that have happened. Jesus has gone home to Nazareth and has preached. Again, chronologically, this has happened between wilderness and him settling in Capernaum. He's preached in his own synagogues. He's gone home to Nazareth. And what you can read about in other gospels is they were not happy about it. His own people. And this is where the phrase comes from. A prophet is not welcome in his own home. Jesus says those words when we read that account of him being in Nazareth in his hometown synagogue and having them be very upset. To the point where they go out of the synagogue, the crowd drives him like towards a cliff. They're going to toss him over. That's how angry they are. And then he slips from their grasp, as only Jesus can do, because it was not yet his time. And so when they say he leaves, that's what happened. That's why he left. So leaving Nazareth. And he went to live in Capernaum. And as Brian explained last week, this is like he settles here. 
right? When he says to Andrew and the unnamed disciple and then to Simon as well, who we read about and learned from Brian about last week, you know, when they say, where are you staying? He says, come and see. This, this is literally the place that they came and see. This is where I'm staying. Come and see. And so we need to know that Jesus had a home base, and this is where he taught from and went out and came back to. All of these things are important as we read. Verse 17 says, from that time. Again, I just want you to, when you're reading, see the phrases that mean to catch your attention. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is the same phrase that John the Baptist has used. The same phrase. Why is that important? Again, making the case that this is the Messiah. This is who we have been waiting for. John said it. And now Jesus is saying the same thing John did. Remember, we don't know if a prophet is real and of the Lord unless what he says comes true. Right? Unless that happens. And Jesus is like, John said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's coming, get ready. Jesus says the same thing. The emphasis is different. I am he, I am here, kingdom is here. John was telling the truth. All of those things are really important for us to know as Matthew is trying to make his case that this, believe me, he is the Messiah. He is the one. And then we hear this account of him calling the first disciples. So if you were here last week, you should be saying, wait, didn't we hear about that last week? <laughs> didn't we hear Jesus say, come and see to Andrew, the unnamed disciple, to Simon, who's then called Peter? Like, did, didn't we? This is what I mean, right? Four accounts. The Gospels are meant to not confuse us, but it's like, um, I was thinking of this this morning. So I, I grew up, there's four of us in the Connecticut family that I grew up in. And so if you were to hear a story from us, right, of a memory, Okay, well, when we were, you know, living in Darien, we did this. Well, one of my sisters would be the one saying, the, doing the directive, the oldest, you know, saying, you know, we did this and then we did that and we were in this place, broad strokes, but, you know, specifics, so getting the details, not, not in the details, but very specific. There would be a sister who would fill in the tone. Yeah, but do you remember mom was mad? Or do you remember that, you know, Thad was not happy about it, that he yelled at us right as we got in the car? You know, so she would be the communicator of telling you how everybody was feeling during the memory. And then I have a sister who'd be filling in all of the details. <laughs> He's laughing. He knows which sister it is. Many of you are laughing because you know which sister it is. We call her footnote. <laughs> and she has a brilliant memory. And oftentimes, I am the one who doesn't remember anything. And I know there's one of you in your families. I am like, wait, we did what? But it tends to be the youngest. We're not paying attention. You know, we just kind of get places with the rest of our family. So, um, but, so think of, I mean, the Gospels are told by four different men, right? They're told and written. Holy Spirit, God inspired written, absolutely, but the perspectives are different. So it's not to confuse you. It's meant to enrich and enlarge your understanding of all that Jesus did and said. And so when you go from gospel to gospel, please don't be, don't see it as confusion. See it as, all right, Lord, I don't really need to know when this happened. Was this this Thursday before that happened or afterwards? But I need to know it happened, and now I need to know what it means to me, Lord. And there's a way to, to read scripture that way. Okay, my lesson of that is now done. I apologize. But sometimes I get up here and I'm like, I just need you to know. And part of it is, I don't want you to miss it. Like when you sit down to read your Bible, I don't want you to miss it. 
So let's turn to this calling of the disciples. And I just think that this is, I know many of you have read this passage many times as I have, right? And you, you, you read how he says, follow me. You read how they respond. You read all of these details. And when I was thinking about, well, so what's new about it, Lord, right? And you can actually, when you read your Bible and you read that 15 times, you should ask, what's new about this? But in the context of where we are at Apostles, um, as a family, what we have been doing, in case you haven't been with us, what we have been doing is, um, well, this fall we learned a lot about calling. And so the title in my you know, passage says, Jesus calls the first disciples. That's the first thing that came to mind. We have been talking about calling, but we've been talking about it in lots of different areas. Very specifically, individually, what God has called us to. We talked about it corporately. Literally, God called us to this building to be neighbors with these people in this neighborhood. And so we've talked about all of those different things and what it means for us. But we've also, and that was last fall, in January, what we have been talking about really specifically is, okay, but what is that supposed to look like? Now that we understand we're called and that in each of our lives, there are seasons of callings, right? Uh, I'm called to be a spouse. I'm called to be a daughter. I'm called to be a, a mother. I'm called to be a caregiver. I'm you know, all of those different things that are specific to me. But what is this supposed to look like individually and as we gather corporately? And so we have been talking about radical hospitality. We've been talking about having margins in our lives and what that means. And so as we have been talking these things, this is all of a sudden I'm reading this passage and I think, oh, all right, I see. I see that this is also an account of you calling these same men, three of them. I'm pretty sure the unnamed disciple from what we heard last is John, James' brother. So we're, we're actually hearing about them again. So let me just give you this as an, let me offer it. The Lord has called you. Maybe the first time you thought, I wonder if this Jesus is real. What if it was the first conversation you had with someone who decided to talk to you about this Jesus, this Savior, this Lord? Pretty sure you might have been like me, like, I don't need a Savior. Thanks so much. Um, you know, I'm sure you do. It's such a lovely attitude we have when we first hear about the Lord, isn't it? Good for you. I have a friend who still does this. I'm really glad it works for you, Jan. I don't need it, um, but we're still praying for him. Um, and so, and actually, there's another friend that came to mind, too, is that when God calls you first, there's a first response, and then he keeps calling us. And so, this is not Jesus' first introduction to these men. Brian told us about the literal introduction of Andrew and Simon Peter and now John and his brother James. We, we heard about that last week, that when they were disciples of John the Baptist and John said behold the Lamb of God as Jesus walked by and they said okay see ya like yeah you're pointing the way to him so I guess we should go with him that was their first introduction and even the invitation to come back and see come and see come spend time with me that was an invitation that was their first layer of calling but now he comes there again after all this there has been time gone by he has been preaching and teaching elsewhere and he comes into their town and he's walking by the sea of galilee and there they are again so this isn't their first meeting of jesus but this is an encounter with the lord where he says okay now follow let's go there is a radical invitation but what I want you to hear today is that when Jesus calls you to be his disciple and when he calls you to enter in, sometimes layer by layer as we lead our lives, right? Sometimes it's really deep. It is meant to be a radical 
disruption to your life. It's meant to be. Now, it looks different for everybody, right? I mean, for Brian and I, it's a radical disruption, right? This thing that we wear, the way that we live our lives, what we do for a living, totally different now than what we did before. But that's not true of everyone, right? I mean, would there be nobody sitting in church if everybody was out in the mission field doing, you know, because I want you to hear that even in Jesus' ministry, there were people who did different things for him. There were people who were called, like these four, to radical disruption completely. They left their boats. They left their families. They left their li livelihoods and did something different. That is true of many. But there are many more who didn't. Like, every time he went by Mary and Martha's house, that's where he stopped, right? He stopped to eat, to rest, to teach. Every there were people in each of the cities that were meant to be going about what they did, every ordinary, normal lives, but also serving Jesus. When he came through, they served him. They prayed for him. They were there. Everyone has different ways that they serve and are called. But hear me, it's meant to be radically disruptive to the way you used to live your life. The job you now go to, please still go. Your family still needs a paycheck. But what I want you to understand is the way you do it should be radically different. So much so that your coworkers should be like, Wait, what, what happened to you over the weekend? Like, what happened? That we should live so differently in the ordinary, everyday walking around of our lives that that is what Jesus is calling you to do. That's your radicalness. It's not the giving up and walking away that we see here. But let me just say, so you don't hear me say, don't do this. If he's calling you to radically walk away, radically walk away then, you know, put it down and do what he's calling you to do. I don't want to, Jan says I don't have to be a missionary. No, <laughs> if the Lord is calling you to be a missionary, you'd better obey. And so this story, and it's a true account of what these gentlemen went through and what they had to decide to do. Jesus again meets them. Jesus again invites them into this relationship, but in a deeper way. Have you had that happen? Have you been a Christian long enough that you've had an invitation from the Lord a few times? Sometimes it's the initial invitation to come and know him and be forgiven of your sins and be the new person that he promises that you will be forgiven and clean. Sometimes it's because you've done that and you think, check, and you're good, and now you've gone on your merry way and lived your life and nothing else changed, and he's like, no, 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 come on back. Have you heard the call of come back? Sometimes the call is, well done, now let's go here, and it's uncomfortable or deeper, and it's different and a little scary. That should be happening throughout your life with Christ. There are different levels and different callings he gives us to pull us deeper. And so he's already met these gentlemen and said, come and see. He introduced himself. He invited himself in. They built a relationship. This time, as he's walking by the sea in the midst of family, like I can imagine that, you know, it tells us that James and John's, his, their father is Zebedee, right? So they leave Zebedee and their workers and they walk away. It doesn't really say who was in the boat with Andrew and Peter, right? It just says they got to shore and they followed him immediately. They left their boat. But specifically, Matthew tells us he, they left Zebedee and their workers. Like 
it was a family business, right? It, it, it was what they did for a livelihood. And Zebedee is watching his children. It sounds radical and it sounds abrupt. On purpose, it was. They left that life and went to a new life. But it probably wasn't as abrupt as we hear it in our their first world hearing and all these centuries later. Because I imagine they'd already met him. I imagine the people on the boat are like, wait, is this the guy you were talking about? You know, because he was preaching along the shore and was kind of caught at the shore as the crowds were gathering. And he, I'm going to get on one of these boats so you can see me and I'm going to give us some space. And then all of these things are happening. And so I think people on the boat were like, wait, this is the guy? This is the one you were telling us about? So I don't think it's as abrupt, maybe. But I'm certain that it was still a very hard and sacrificial. We, we tend to hear it like, well, yeah, it was Jesus, and Jesus said, follow me, and so I'm going to go. Yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to leave everything and go. Yes, and they had to make the decision to sacrifice the person they were and the life they were living and the sons that they had been to Zebedee and where they were in the family business, and who knows who else was left to take over the family business, we are not told, and make that sacrifice and go. And so we, we have to hear it in all the levels of human relationship that are here, and that it's important to understand, and yet they still went. I'm here to encourage us that that is something that if you hear the Lord niggling at you, and I always call it like a poconetcha poconetcha, you know, when the Holy Spirit is trying to do something, he just for me, it's this, until I finally go, oh, I'm right, you know, it's like, it's like the little, little, my kids were little, mom, 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 until you kind of, Ugh. yeah, that's, that's how I have to hear the Lord, apparently, because that's the way he speaks to me a lot of the times, but if he has been in this season that we are in at Apostles, you know, if he has been speaking to you, and whispering to you, and poking at you, poking at you, I want you to stop and consider, Lord, what, <laughs> especially if, You've already been serving the Lord for a while. Lord, what? What more do you want? I mean, it's almost like when Peter says later on in the Gospels, like, where are we going to go? We, we've given you everything. How can we do anything else? This is all we can do now. You know, what do you want, Lord? Sometimes it's an exasperation that we have to ask the question. But I just want to encourage you that this season we're in at Apostles of radical hospitality, of being to our neighbors what they need us to be, of living a life of margin living below our means and with time in our calendars so that when the Lord says, talk to that person, go see that person, pick that person up, stop what you're doing and do this, you're not rattled because you have time. We're going to live in the margins and have those, live for the people in the margins and have margins in our life for that. So this is a season we're in at Apostles and I'm encouraging you and inviting you to ask the question, it's scary, because if you're not being poked at, now you're opening up a can of worms. Okay, Lord, Jan says I'm supposed to ask, what is it you want from me now? But to understand that he's calling you, I really feel like for apostles, this is a new season of being called deeper. You know him. You may have known him for a while. What else don't you know about him that he would like you to come and be in with him? That part of the relationship into a deeper place. So I'm wondering today, in our minute or two of silence, if that would be the question that you ask, that you have read this passage today, you heard it read to you, that you see that this is the start of your, Lord, this is your ministry. Look at all the places that were named here. Look at all the things that you did. Look at all the people that you touched. 
what does that look like in my own life? Where, where did your and my journey start? Has it started? If it hasn't started, today might be the day to ask the Lord for this relationship. I hear you asking, Lord. I hear you inviting. I'm taking a step in. But it also might be a moment for you to say, okay, so Lord, we've been in this for a while. What would you have me do next? What, how can I respond with immediacy and with radical obedience to what you have next? Maybe you already know what it is and you're dragging your heels. Let me invite you to have this time to say yes to the Lord. And with abandon and with sure assurance, he is the Messiah. He is who he says he is. And he will fulfill his word in you and through you. Have the assurance you can take the step of faith. So why don't you go ahead and close your eyes and I'll keep the time. Thank you that you are the Messiah, that you are who the prophets said you were, that it is true, Lord, that you are our Savior and Redeemer, and that it is true that you want to be in relationship with us. Lord, I pray that you would, by your Spirit, give me and my brothers and sisters gathered here everything we need to be able to take that deep breath, hear your call, hear that next step, hear that new thing, and be able to immediately respond, immediately leaving behind what we were and who we thought we were to be who you want us to be in this new call. Lord, help us to be radical and help us to invite and embrace the disruption that you are into our lives. Thank you, and I bless you, and it's in your precious and powerful name I pray. Amen.